Hi, I'm Arlen Walker, and I am live from Pelham's Wasteland. Today, I'm going to talk about the games that I played over the weekend. Today, it's Monday, and I'm thinking I'm going to talk about some, some uh, basically debriefs on the games that I played on Friday evening and on Saturday. And yeah, it's going to be good. So stay tuned for that. Hi Arlen, um, I've just been uh, listening to your episode uh, about your love of uh, dice pools and archetypes and it's inspired me to uh, do my own overview episode of a system that I came across when I came back to the hobby a couple of years ago. Um, it was one of the first things I picked up uh, called the PIP system, but I've not seen anybody discussing it or uh, yeah very little uh, information about it beyond actually reading the book itself and uh, yeah maybe there's something in there that will pique your interest um, a nice neat system possibly a little too simple for some uh, but uh, yeah stay tuned so that's Spencer Free Thrall of Keep Off the Borderlands. Um, quality podcast. I recommend listening to it. Yeah, the the PIP system. I don't know if I've heard of it or not. I may well have and just don't remember it. Um, but I will have to take a listen and, and see what you have to say about it because I am always up for learning about new RPG systems. Um great fun but yeah yeah i really like dice pools and in fact i'm going to talk a little bit about kind of dice pools and why i like them and all of that sort of stuff um in this episode so over the weekend i played or i played in two games and ran one game and they were all great fun um the, the first two, both of them were run by Kevin Madison of Dungeon Musings. And the third one, we actually ended up uh, streaming it on his channel. So it's there, but it's run by me. The first two were both Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. Great, fun game. Super, super um, quality game to play. Um, and then the third one was The One Ring, which I have a, a real deep love for that uh, every time I play it, I have even more fun with it. Um, so what happened in the games? So in the first game, we were playing, um, I think he calls it Beneath the Boneyard. It is an adaptation of the beginning of a Pathfinder adventure path in which my character, um, Sagramore the Paladin, Sagramore... Um, is a knight in Thomas Mallory's Lamort d'Arthur, and I just love the name, so I had to play a paladin named Sagramore. Sagramore the paladin wakes up um, with no memory of kind of who he is or anything, although he, he still knows how to fight with a sword and all that sort of stuff, inside a um, sarcophagus, ends up getting out, rescued another character um nargul then we explored just a little bit of the the sort of system that we were in 
And then there were more characters who woke up inside sarcophagi who we had to rescue. And so we rescued them, ended up with five, including Sagramore, and then fought um, one big fight that was was great fun against a lot of undead creatures. And um, yeah, tried to find our way out of this kind of underground uh necropolis so it was it was a lot of fun um i like sagramore as a character a whole lot i like all of the the both of the characters from my ash games a lot the the second one my character is named guithnod and guithnod is a um it's a welsh name and he is a barbarian who very much in the Conan the Barbarian, the movie style, he wears a fur loincloth and boots, and he has six hand axes, four of them on his belt, and two of them, one in each hand. So he's got hand axes that he throws and that he slashes with and all of that sort of stuff, and it's great, super cool. Um, yeah. Guithna is a, is a fun character. In that one, the guys had actually kind of cleared out this um, Ixian slaver base and found Guithnod and then another guy, um, Colin's character, inside the, the slaver's base and rescued us and brought us back to civilization. And then we hung out in Tulaborg um, for a while. So that was a, a fun session. Ended on a cliffhanger, as often happens. Um we uh, got ambushed making our way through the winding streets of Tulaborg by some Ixians that were not happy to have had all of their buddies killed. Um, so, yeah, it's a great fun system. Ash is super good. I've talked about Ash before, Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerers of Hyperborea, but it's a, it's a really fun system. It, um, to me, has... Just a really, like, well, Kevin on his podcast talked about this idea that Ash is not just exciting because it is a cool world and um, all of that is cool, but that it also mechanically has really the right amount of crunch and things to do. And there's some serious kind of tactical decisions that can be made, um, especially because of the the different special maneuvers that are available, but at the same time, it's not um, not like Pathfinder levels or anything, and it's still rulings over rules and all of that. And so, yeah, Astonishing Swords and Sorcerers of Hyperborea, great fun, um, a little bit of crunch, but generally a very fun game. So, third, the third game was one that I ran. And it was the one ring, and I had four players, and we were doing essentially the second part of an adventure series. We did a, a one-shot of the one ring um, like two months ago, um, and then this was the, the sequel to that. And it's set five years further on in the, the story of these characters' lives. Um, or rather, four years further on, five years. The, it takes place in the fifth year after um, 
And so there's assumed to be kind of a number of things that have happened in the time they've been adventuring. They're a little um, older and wiser and wearier and they don't have mechanically, they don't have as much hope and they have more shadow. Um, and then they came back reconvened in Roscabel and at Roscabel, um, Radagast the Brown gave them a letter to deliver to Elrond in Rivendell. So they made their way up the Anduin Valley over the Misty Mountains and into Rivendell, gave the letter to Elrond, and Elrond gave them another task, which is to retrieve the Ring of Barahir from the Lossoth, where it has been an heirloom for them for the past thousand years basically um and so then they went marching along the road and then through the wilderness to the bay of forakel or forachel i don't know how you pronounce it necessarily but anyway and then arrived at the encampment of the lossoth and that's where we had to stop because that was the the three hour three hours and ten minutes i think was the total time of the session so Plenty of time for a full session, and we're going to play the second half of that story arc um, in a while, in like another month, I think, because everybody's busy. So we're going to have a, a fairly long break. But yeah, One Ring. One Ring is so much fun. It it just works so well for kind of theme and atmosphere and immersion and it just it feels like being in middle earth so well um and it there's some really cool stuff i think i i kind of realized as we were playing it um and from my previous experience with it that it it's really I think a really well-designed system in, in the sense that it, it is very kind of heavily engineered. Um, and with four players, it works really well. Um, you get travel events called hazards um, regularly enough to make travel interesting. It's not just rolling the dice over and over again, but not all the time. You also four players. Four players is um, not insignificantly powerful in combat, but it's definitely it definitely would be possible to overwhelm them in combat if I wanted to um, without that much trouble. I think by um, declaring that they were ambushed by the enemies and giving the enemies initiative and adding a couple more orcs, they could pretty easily find themselves out of their depth. Um, despite the fact that they handled the one combat encounter, they ran into orcs of the Misty Mountains at one point and they handled that combat encounter um, quite well. Um, they were able to drive off most of the orcs, although... One of the interesting mechanics that we are playing with is the hunt, which is a um, basically a representation of the will of Sauron and how aware he is of the party. And um, by 
the way that Baranor, one of the characters, was able to drive the orcs off was by declaring his lineage. Um, and so that that was really cool because it played into the hunt. Um, I mechanically, what I did was I upped the the eye awareness rating for that encounter, even though they didn't roll any eyes of Sauron on the feet die. Anyway, um, yeah, the one ring, the one ring is so much fun. It's a really good system for what it is, which is playing adventures in Middle Earth in this specific period. And there's a second edition coming. Cubicle 7 has announced that there's a second edition of the One Ring coming, which is pretty exciting. Um, so, yeah. We uh, are going to play some more and it's going to be great fun in the meantime i think we might play some other things so i i sort of presented to the guys that we we sort of flirted with the idea of playing more long term and some people are busy but some people aren't as busy and so i sort of said you know if there's something you'd like to play and here's a couple of ideas for things that i would enjoy running you should let me know because I think it would be a lot of fun to play um, with the the group that we've put together more regularly. And I also mention that because if you, listener, would like to play um, with me and some of the guys, I think it would be just fine to do that. Um, and I'm I'm always up for having more players. So what we talked about, what I talked about running for the guys was... Um, let me look at the list. Do, 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 do. Um, Barbarians of Lemuria, which I have overviewed on here, um, and is a great, it's a quality game. Um, Blade of the Iron Throne, which I've also talked about a fair bit on here. Another really interesting game that I haven't gotten a chance to play yet, but would really like to. Pendragon and or Paladin. Pendragon is Arthurian mythology, and then Paladin is the Carolingian version. And Feng Shui 2, which is action movie role-playing, which I think would be um, great fun. So yeah, we're talking about playing some of those games. So I will have to let you guys know what... Um, what we end up playing and what we what I end up running and all of that of those options. Um, I suppose I'm not sure exactly what we're going to play, but it would be great fun to play any of those things. Um, and I have a number of ideas for adventures and things we could do with them and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so then I think I am going to talk a little bit about... Um, the relationship between uh, law and order and ecology, law and order, not as in the show, but as in like the concepts, um, because I was thinking about it in reference to the the Saturday the the Friday evening game of Ash that we played and the the setup of that game. And so I was thinking I would talk a little bit about my ideas about that sort of thing. So stay tuned for some, some more conceptual stuff than this, which was really just 
here's what I played and it was great fun. And it was great fun. It was, you know, both Ash games and the One Ring were super, super fun. So I wanted to record something further about the um, the the Friday evening Ash session with Sagramore, um, and in particular the idea of what is sort of going on in the story. And so one of the things we found is that there are these bugs, these bone bugs, that basically you take over skeletons and animate them and, and cause them to act and do things. Um, and I was really, I don't know. I'm enjoying the game a lot. I just mentioned to the guys that I was sort of disappointed that what was happening was sort of ecological in a sense that the, the idea that there are these creatures that have a um, a niche within the ecology of this world that what they do is they reanimate corpses and that there is a sort of um, essentially that the corpses the corpse reanimation that occurs, is based on the functioning of order rather than the non-functioning of order. And what I mean is that um, these bugs fit within the world in a way that, by comparison, the idea that, for instance, corpse reanimation is the result of um, some type of, of flaw or... Um, some sort of uh, sin or um, unfinished business or something, something um, more moral seems to me much more interesting as a concept within a fantasy story, partly because it um, puts the, the moral issue at stake. And also because what it does is it, I think there's something kind of, um, unfortunate about the way that there's sort of a sense of the way things work in a lot of fantasy games and the way things work storytelling it seems to me um is often based on the interplay of things working the way they are supposed to and not working the way they are supposed to um that i'm sure there's a better way to put it but what what i mean is that the the order of the world and the universe is fulfilled but sometimes uh it's the meta order that is fulfilled and the kind of first level order is unfulfilled and sometimes it's the meta order that is unfulfilled and it's a third level kind of meta meta order that is what is fulfilled and there's this interaction between the layers that goes on um in as i'm kind of envisioning it this layers of orders of things and that I don't know that there's something kind of uh, lacking in the way that some fantasy games handle that, that it's, it's sort of um, non mythological because it seems to be that mythology is um, 
concerned with order and meta order and all of that sort of stuff. And to give an idea of a um, concept, think about the difference between a modern understanding of a sort of um, ecological universe. Think about a, a predator, um, like a, a tiger. A tiger, we know, doesn't hunt because it hates things. And it doesn't represent some kind of moral quandary, some some moral failing of early humans that tigers hunted humans. Um, it's just hungry. Now think about William Blake's The Tiger. And here I will read The Tiger in case you have forgotten it. Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? In what distant deeps or skies burnt the fire of thine eyes? On what wings dare he aspire? What the hand dare seize the fire? And what the shoulder and what the art could twist the sinews of thy heart? And when thy heart began to beat, what dread hand and what dread feet? And what the hammer, what the chain, in what furnace was thy brain? What the anvil, what dread grasp, dare its deadly terrors clasp? When the stars threw down their spears and watered heaven with their tears, did he smile his work to see? Did he who made the lamb make thee? Tiger, tiger, burning bright, in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye dare frame thy fearful symmetry? Great poem, classic poem, William Blake. If you haven't looked at William Blake's illustration for it, do so now. Because one of the things is that he um, paints the tiger looking... Um, he has this this poem about the tiger's fearful symmetry. Um, and then he paints the tiger looking like an overgrown pussycat. Um, and it's great. It's There's... Um, a lot going on in that Blake poem that is moral and metaphysical and, and um, think still thinking about a creature that belongs in the universe, but one that belongs in the universe in a different way than that kind of modern simplified um, predatory understanding. I think you may disagree in which case call in and I will put your voice message on the show. Um, but I was sort of disappointed that it was, it was that, that what we were dealing with was um, ecological. And that gets at something that I think sort of the silly stuff in Dungeons and Dragons, having just like tons of different monsters, I think is kind of silly. And it speaks to one of the limitations of the game, which is, how do you make combat encounters interesting in a system that most of the rules are for combat encounters? How do you provide variety for them? Um, and there's some kind of obvious things like, well, this monster has a lot more hit points, but an easy, is easier to hit versus this monster is hard to hit, but it doesn't have very many hit points versus this monster attacks in packs versus that. All of that sort of stuff is 
kind of there, but it seems to me that it, it, um, is a weird artifact of the system that you need monsters at all. What's wrong with bandits? And especially one of the things I'm thinking about, one of the things that I thought about with um, Blade of the Iron Throne is that you could create really interesting different combat encounters by changing the behavior of the enemies that you face, not anything statistically. And so, for instance, a crazed barbarian who spends most of their melee pool dice on a wild attack to open the combat would feel very different than a sort of disciplined soldier who's going to save most of their dice for a, a powerful defense and is, is heavily armored and that sort of stuff. And so is going to fight much more slowly and spend most of their points on defense than on attack. Um, which I think is really cool. I think it's a it's a totally kind of different way of approaching interesting combat, and and it makes the system the system allows for it in a way that a lot of the various D twenty games don't allow for in a lot of ways, and that's kind of unfortunate. Anyway, I'm just thinking about different stuff and kind of things that I like and don't like about games. And one of the things I'm thinking is that I like a, a world without a whole lot of the kind of, I don't know. I think a lot of the D and D monsters are just a little bit silly and kind of the need for monster variety is sort of a failure of the system um, in some ways. I don't know. That's just sort of what I'm thinking about. Let me know what you're thinking about. Call in and uh, do you think that the variety of monsters is is somehow the result of a, a failure in the system, a, a way that combat is less interesting than sort of more realistic combat systems would make it so that in a more realistic system you could just use, you know, three different types of regular Joes essentially armed a little bit differently and who fight a little bit differently and that that would allow for an interesting combat variety. I don't know. I think so. That's kind of my, my thesis, but I'm not sure. So yeah. I've been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Pelham's Wasteland. I will see you next time. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, see you next time.